Uh, take your Bibles, let's go to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15. Uh, and tonight, uh, what I want to do is I want us to take a, a look, a gander, uh, at that of, the, of, of what many would say would be that of a great place to take a friend to tell them what the gospel is. But uh, also, if you're writing in your Bibles, it would be a great place to write if you don't have titles in your Bible. It would be uh, a chapter about the resurrection, all right? And what we need to realize is, is that um, you'll find in this chapter uh, that there's a lot of conversation. Really, it's all about that of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of that of, of our bodies. Uh, as a pastor, a lot of times we will use this uh, passage when it comes to trying to encourage, trying to remind people that there is hope. And the hope is, is that my hope is not found on this earth. My hope is found in that of heaven. And the day that I die, all right, my body dies. The body does die, but the soul does not. The soul spends eternity somewhere. So for all of us in this room, while I was young at one time as well, that was not what I thought about because I thought I was invincible, all right? But I promise you, everyone in this room, um, one day we will experience this thing called death unless Christ returns. And by experiencing that, what we need to realize is, is that we ought to want to hope that this is true. All right. This is where our faith lies. It, it lies within the resurrection of that of our Lord and that of our Savior. And so, so when we look tonight, what we want to see then is that this chapter, you would title it that of the resurrection. And you could really break it down, this, this chapter, in five different sections. So if you're writing notes, you're writing your Bible, what you would find is tonight we're going to gather, we're going to grab verses 1 through 11, all right? And as we look at 1 through 11, what we're going to do is we're going to see that it's the evidence that we're going to see tonight of Christ's resurrection. We're going to look at the evidence because what happened was is there was much debate about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because, why? Because if you remember at the beginning of the 1 Corinthians, Paul would say, you know what? People's going to think you're a loon for you to believe in that of Christ. You're a loon to believe in that of the resurrection. you you got no sense. They're going to almost think you're a madman. And today, that's what many people believe that you are as you share your faith. Now, if you don't share your faith, there ain't nobody saying that to you. And I promise you, you'll be safe. <laughs> but it's sad that you're that way. But if you're sharing your faith and you're talking with other people about this thing called Jesus Christ, without the resurrection, our hope is in vain. So you must talk about the resurrection. They will look at you and go, and that's crazy. That, that never happened. There's lies being told today. One lie is the original lie that was told in Matthew, and that is that someone come and stole the body, that the disciples stole the body. And so that's a lie that's been, that's been shared from, from that of Matthew, from the day that it happened. It said that, it, it said that the, um, uh, the armed guards that, that was guarding the tomb, uh, they would have passed out because they were like, like scared to death. I would have been scared to death too. Anyway, it, Dark, dark is not good. But anyway, so, so, and, and so, so you're scared to death. And as you're scared to death, they, they come to and they realize, uh oh, things are not good. So they go in to the chief priest and they tell the chief priest and the chief priest says, here, here's some money. And what we're going to do is we're going to tell your boss that someone come and stole the body. 
All right. Remember this, guys. If you ever want to see uh, the factual on this, if you've got cable, if you still pay for that, uh, the, the cable, you'd get the history channel or the biography channel because, you know, that stuff's legit. Uh, yeah, whatever. They're always finding the body around Easter. You ever find, like, like the body of Jesus is found. Tune in next week. All right. And the problem is, is that if they ever do find the body, they're not. <laughs> but if they ever do, then man, we're in trouble, y'all. Because I promise you, you'll go find the body of Buddha. Now, it's probably dust by now. You'll find the, the body of Muhammad. You'll, you'll find the body of Joseph Smith. And, and you'll find the body of... But, but you will not find the body of Christ. That's what makes our, our so-called, you want to call it religion, that's what makes us unique. Is that... All right. Hold on a second. Let me get my, gather my thoughts. <laughs> How many of you all watch the backyard agains? Anybody watch that? When I say the word unique, it really bothers me because you had uniqua. And I just said that and I thought about the song, The Backyard Agains. I'm sorry. All right. So, gather myself. Verses 12 through 19, what happens is, if you're breaking it down, the resurrection of Christ is the foundation of our faith. All right. That is the foundation. All right. That's that's verses 12 through 19 verses 20 through 28. What we're going to do is we're going to see that the results to be diluted from Christ's resurrection. Here's the results. Here's what took place because of his resurrection. That's verses 20 through 28. Verses 29 through 34, the life of the believers is an argument for the resurrection. You and I as a believer, because of the believer, you and I, we have an argument. All right. Well, this is why we believe. This is how we believe. And then verses 35 through 49, you have the analogies that are helpful for you and I to understand the subject. There's, there's, there, there's, um, uh, there's things that he relates it to for you and I to be able to go, oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Kind of like the backyard again. And so what happens is there is you and I, he, he gives us these pictures, Paul does, so that you and I, when it comes to speaking of the resurrection, we speak of it as if someone that has confidence in what, in what we know. And then the last way that this chapter is broke down is in verses 50 through 58. You have the conclusion, all right? You have the conclusion and you have the exhortation. I want to read that to you, all right? What's what he says here in verses uh, 56 through 58. Now watch what he says. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. Verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, I like that. So because of, our, because of his death, because of what he's done for us, dear brothers and sisters, be firm. We're going to talk about that. You ought to underline that. You and I need to be firm. Do not be moved. Always be outstanding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so he's telling you and I that that is something that we need to be. We need to be firm in that of our, in that of our faith and that of our understanding. And we need to be unmovable. All right, now hang on a minute. In order for you to be firm and unmovable, you need to grow within your faith. You need to be growing within your walk. 
That's why there's a ton of people. We'll see it in a minute. That's why there's a ton of people that, that come to this so-called, they come to a so-called saving faith. And then what they'll do is, is they'll deconstruct. That's a word that you're hearing a lot now is the deconstruction. And so therefore I deconstructed. Lecrae deconstructed. And so therefore that would cause me to go, I don't need no Lecrae. And so, and so in that, what he's saying is you and I, we need to grow in our faith. So therefore, Samu, the only time that we're open in our Bible is not just Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night. We're opening up God's Word every day so that we can do what? So that we can stand firm and we can be unmovable. Because what's going to happen, I promise you, when you get out from underneath your mom and dad's home, if it ain't already happened yet, you get out from underneath their roof... If you are not firm in what you believe, your cage is going to be rattled. It's going to be. And that's why you better know what you know before you get gone. Because I promise you there will be a professor. There's going to be a boss. There's going to be a girlfriend. There's going to be a boyfriend. There's going to be someone that's going to come to you. And they're going to ask you a question. And because you're not firm in what you know and you're not unmovable, it will rattle your cage. It will destroy your foundation. And you're standing on nothing. That's why you need to do it now. Watch what he says. Let's read verses 1 through 11. Verses 1 through 11. He says, now I want, I'm reading from the Net Bible tonight. Um, now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel that I preached to you, that you received and on which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as of first importance that also what I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised, and on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then... That ain't Bocephus, but And then he appeared to more than 5,000 of the brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, which some have fallen asleep or died. Then he appeared to James, then to all of the apostles. Last of all, as though one born out of wrong time, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me is not been in vain. In fact, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is the way we preach, and this is the way you believed. All right? And so what he does here, if you go back, he says the word now, because what he does is he's changing the topic. He's changing the topic from what, from what we've been going through, Joshua, church order, me, uh, the prophecy in tongues, which if you want to watch a cool movie, uh, the latest movie, Cessationism, it's a pretty cool documentary. It's very good. I think you'll appreciate it. goes along with, it teaches a lot of what we've taught, uh, and it causes you to think. Then we talked about love, uh, what is love, what is not love. And then we talked about, do, do you see, so he's changing the topic again. And he's covering this topic because this was something that was of debate within the church of the early church there in Corinth. 
Now remember, if you remember, if you mark in your Bibles, in Acts chapter 18, that is where Paul would have rolled into Corinth. And that is when Paul would have went to the Jews first. He always did that. And the Jews were the one that mocked. The Jews were the one that pushed him out. And then he would have went to the Gentiles. And it would have been the Gentiles that would have, that, that would have embraced him. And he would have stayed there for a, long, a longer period of time than what he is normally staying. And in that, what would have happened is, is there would have been a ton of people that would have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There would have been a, there would have been a, a, a big movement. Now, what you've got to realize is, is that what he's getting ready to talk about is, is something that is dangerous in that, of, uh, in that of the world we live in today. That's why Pastor Scott is so careful for me to, I, I posted a post the other day. I am so careful to load y'all up in a bus anymore and haul you anywhere because of the dangers of what's being taught, the things that are being sung, that you just never know about people anymore. And it's dangerous to be able to just expose you to, 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 to damage and then me have to come back and do damage control. And what happens in this is that there's this bit of an emotionalism as well. And there's people that's in Corinth that are, yeah, rock solid. There's some in Corinth that, yeah, they're probably like that seed that fell on rocky soil. And then there's some that their faith is probably like the demonic faith that's found over in the book of James. And the problem is, is that there's debate about the resurrection. And listen, if you don't, if you don't believe in the resurrection, then it's useless. And that's what he's wanting them to know here. Watch what he does. So he changes the topic with now. Now I want to make clear for you, and I love how this, this one says, brothers and sisters. He's speaking to that of those that claim to be believers. The gospel, the good news. The gospel, the good news that I preach to you. Now I underline that. So you got to realize something. There's three things that happened here. He, first of all, he preached this to them in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 18. He went and he took to them that of the death, burial, resurrection. He spoke the good news to them. He spoke a message of hope to them. He confronted them in the sin in which they were living. And through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, what would have happened at that moment is, is they realized their need for a Savior. And at that moment, they would have put their faith in that of the gospel-changing message. And that is, is that you must place your faith in the One. The One Jesus that says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. But hang on a minute. The One that claims to be resurrected. And see, that's the part, that, that's where the, it was hanging a lot of them up. They're going, man, there's no way. That's crazy talk. There's no way that you're telling me. And, and so what would happen there is, is you would find debate. You would find, uh, therefore, a wedge, or you would find conversation taking place that was unhealthy conversation. And it was really causing much havoc within the church. Watch what he says here. He says, not only did I preach the gospel to you. He says also, it's a gospel that you received. And, and I like that. So because I preached it, you then received it. And by you receiving it, what you've got to realize is, is that because you've received it, it is now yours to do something about. The same would be said to you as well. Listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you all something. I've told you all before, I was a lazy Christian. Okay. I know I got saved when I was 14. I know I did. I have no doubt in that. Y'all, I, I can remember that moment. I can remember the time. I can remember, I, I can remember everything about that night. I, I remember me doubting. I remember me causing myself. Because see, 
at our church, we would do youth Sundays and I would teach Sunday school at the age of 12 and 13. Really wouldn't. I just read scripture. And then some old man would get up and talk. But anyhow, I felt like I was doing it. And, and at that moment, here I am, 14 years old. And now I'm, I'm, I'm confronted with the fact that I'm lost. No, no, no. There's no way. And, and, and what happened is, is I did a lot of just back and forth at that moment of me going, am I? I don't know. And at that moment, I would have given my life to Christ. I know without a doubt that that was the day. But you know what, y'all? I, I played a lot of games. I, I, I never opened my Bible on my own. If I opened my Bible, it's because my mom and dad made me. The times I did open my Bible is when I come to church on a Sunday morning. And the time I did read the most scripture is when the preacher was preaching because therefore uh, I just found something to do. And that was to read God's word instead of listen to preacher preach. Weird, huh? Wednesday night, I would show up, man, we'd do Bible drills. I'd learn how to do Bible drill, man. I'd learn the books of the Bible. But guys, listen to me, ready? I was a lazy Christian. And you know whose fault that was? That was not my mom and dad's fault. That, that was not the preacher's fault. A lot of people want to blame the preacher for it. It was not no, none of my youth leaders. It wasn't their fault. It, was, hey, it, wasn't, it wasn't no one's fault. It wasn't my grandma's fault. It was my fault. Because it's my, it's my salvation to work out. That's what Philippians says. And what you need to understand is, is that, listen, you ready? He came and he preached this word. He preached the gospel. And Toby, as he preached the gospel, it was them that then went and received the gospel. They received it. They embraced it. And at that moment, there was some that embraced it and they embraced it in a true way. There were some that according to like Matthew, let's turn Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, I'll, I'll read that to you. In Matthew 13, it's the parable of the sower. I'll put my glasses back on. Matthew 13. I can't see a thing. In Matthew chapter 13, li listen to what he says here. You ready, guys? He says, um, uh, verse 1. You ready? And on that day, after Jesus went out to the house, he sat by the lake, and such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat a while. And the whole crowd stood on the shore. He told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. That's what, that's what, that's what Paul did. Paul went out and he sowed the, the good news. He sowed the seed. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. That means that, that was people, because we know later on, that that's people that like tonight, all right, like, 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 like tonight, the word is being sown. I don't know if y'all know what that means, but my dad used to have a bag that he had put on my, like it had a strap. And he rode, they rode the tractors, and I'd have this bag, and he'd fill it full of sand or fill it full of fertilizer, and you're just sitting there, and you're turning it, saying, and it just slings the seed. I didn't care where it went. Man, there was days I'd just see how far... See how far I could shoot that seed out there, all right? And then my dad like, quit wasting it. You know, and I, I know, Dad, I'm sorry. And so what happened there is, is some of the seed is sown, and when it's sown, it's thrown in an area that it, it just gets eaten up. It's gone. And some of that happens to y'all. There's some in this room that, hey, you know what? The seed is sown faithfully, but the problem is, is that you ready? Your, your, your mind is not set. Your heart is not prepared. And you know what? You're just, you know, I don't want this. I don't, I don't want nothing to do with this. And so therefore the bird, Satan, comes, devours it, pulls it up. Others, seed falls upon, falls upon rocky ground where they did not have much soil. They sprung up quickly because the soil was not deep. But when the sun came up and the scorched them, they withered. That means that... It, Hey, I know people like that, y'all. Man, they, they, they get excited about the Lord. Some of you, you go to summer camp, you get, woo! 
I love Jesus. Yes, I do. But then you come home and like two weeks later, y'all look like a knot on a log, man. It's like, where, where did it go? Well, you, you got excited. You, you, you got yourself away from whatever it was that was holding you down, keeping you weighed down. You, you, man, you got filled full of that of the word. You got filled full of that of that rainbows and unicorns, as we talked about in our student leadership meeting. And then what happened is you come home and life hits you fast. You ready? It just sucks you up. You're done. And in Christianity, that's not what the Christian walk should look like. That's why I tell you, I don't like a Christian, a Christian walk that is like a roller coaster. Shouldn't be that way. Man, there ought to be something steady about it. Steady either growing up, maybe going down, but none of this, man, that's like, whoo, that's like dangerous. That's what he's talking about. Watch out, watch out. He says this. Other seed fell upon the thorns, and they grew up and choked them. But other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundred times as much, some sixty, some thirty. And the one who has ears had better listen. I like how that version puts it. You better listen. And what happens here over in the book of Corinthians, Paul is saying, listen, I came, I preached to you, you received it, and this is what you should be standing on. That's, that's, your, that's your cornerstone. No more do I look back and go, I'm not sure about my 14-year-old experience. No, I'm not. No, no, no. I'm way past that. Now what I'm doing, that's the part I stand on. And I stand on that of the death, burial, and resurrection. And I know because of what Christ has done and the promises that He makes, therefore I live a victorious life. Whether I die or whether I live. Are you ready? To God be the glory. And that comes from taking what's preached, listen guys, receiving it and standing on it. But that's work. And what happens is, is there's some here that do, some here that don't. Even to the point that if you're making notes in your Bible, you can flip over to James if you, if you want to flip or you can listen, whichever one you want to do. Listen to what it says here. This, this is the one that kind of concerns me. In James chapter uh, 2, he says this. In James chapter 2 in verse 9. Uh, no, that's, that's not true. That's not true. Just give me a second. I wrote down too fast. I see it. Here we go. Watch what he says here in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can this, can this kind of faith save him? If a brother, verse 15, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacks daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace and keep warm and eat well, but you do not give them what the body needs, what good is it, guys? What good is it? What good is this faith? So also faith, if it does not have works, it is dead being by itself. Hey, you ready? You right now, as you hear that verse, that should be something that you go, wait a minute. Does my faith produce works? If you don't have a, if you do not have a faith that is producing works, then you should wonder about your faith. Now you say, Pastor Scott, does that mean I'm saved by my works? Paul goes, no, 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 no. But nor is Paul and James contradicting one another. James is just saying that if you're, believe, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there ought to be some evidence in that. And you ready? And, and Paul says over in Romans, he says, listen, you can't be saved by your works. I can't do enough good deeds to be saved. So no, they don't contradict one another. But what James does is he does confront those pew sitters. He does confront those people that claim to be saved because without the lack of works then you've got to wonder about that watch what he says 
He says, but if someone will say you have faith and I have works, this is my Dr. Seuss section. You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you by faith my works. You believe that God is one well and good. Even the demons believe, y'all. Even the demons believe and listen and tremble with fear. So listen, you ready guys? <laughs> yeah, you may believe in Jesus, but if you don't have a works if you do not have a, a faith that is a works-producing faith, I would wonder about that. That's where Paul's going to here in the book of Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He's saying, listen, hey, because you heard the gospel, you received the gospel, then verse 2 he says this, he says, and by which you are being saved. Therefore, it's in that 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 is my state of safety. That's about what he's saying there. It's in that that I'm being saved, then that is where I have placed my, my hope. In what? Well, I'm placing my hope in the resurrection of Jesus. That, that's, that, that's the big thing there. And because that's where my hope is at, then therefore it's a continual hope. I, I, don't, I don't stop believing. I don't stop. Why? Because I've been changed and I no longer want to go back. I have no desire to go back. All I have a desire for is to go forward. Watch what he does here. You ready? He breaks it down. He says this. He says, and by which you are being saved, if you hold, and I love the word if there, if you, verse 2 of 15, if you hold firmly to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. That's why you can say that there's some there that believed in vain. Yeah, man, I'm a believer, but they say I'm a believer just for the sake of saying I'm a believer. It's like many people today, uh, they say that, what, 70% of America is Christian? <laughs> right. Give me a definition of Christian. And the problem is, if you go in our churches today, there'll be a ton of people. If you go in our youth groups today, you'll be able to find a ton of people that would say that, yeah, I'm a believer. Well, if you're a believer, my, my question would be is, are you holding firmly to this message? And if you're holding firmly, can you see the evidence of that being holding firmly to it? Verse 3, for I passed on to you as of first importance that I also received. Now listen, what did he pass on to them? The gospel. Hey, you ready? Here's a, here's a shocking moment for you. And this was written before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was written. That, that's something to think about. This book, 1 Corinthians, this gospel message would have been a message that was written before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the gospel that was being written here was a gospel that Paul didn't get from any man. What would have happened is, and for time's sake, what would have happened was, is over in the book of Galatians, you can go over there and look at it later, Paul spent about three years in the wilderness, and in the wilderness, many, many believe that he would have been taught by that of Christ, and it would have been Christ that would have given him this gospel message. It would have been a message that was not given by man. That's what Paul says. It's a message that, hey, you ready? In order for you to be saved, in order for you not to experience a place called hell, in order for you to do that, you must accept the way of Christ. You must. You must place your faith. You must come to an understanding that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And who's your Savior? It can be your boyfriend. I promise you, boys are wonderful up until the time that you're ready. They're no longer a Savior to you. It could be a money, it could be a job, it could be, hey, 
It could be hobbies. It could be sports. It, guys, it could be a many of things. But what you'll find is every one of those things, they will let you down. There's only one Savior. There's only one hope. And it comes from the only one place that Paul received it from, and that is from the message that Christ shared with him. What was that message? Watch what he says. Love it. He says, in this he says, verse 3, he said, For I passed on to you as our first importance. See the importance that he had for it? He knew the, the urgency of this message. What I also received, that Christ died for our sins. Now hold on. According to the Scriptures. Y'all to underline that. Because that, that refutes what many people want to say today. And that is, is that we don't need the Scriptures. Well, no, Paul's saying, listen, hold on a minute. You can't disconnect yourself from the Scriptures. You must, you, you need the Scriptures. You say, okay, well, 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 how do I need the Scriptures? I want to show you real quick. You ready? So if you're writing in your notes, watch what happens here. According to Genesis chapter 22, you would have to have that message because it's in that message that there is a substitute that is made for that of a sacrifice that Abraham was getting ready to offer and the substitute was found over there trapped in a thicket. I don't, you remember that story? The story, they're going up the mountain and as they're going up the mountain, you've, you've, got, you've got the boy looking at the father and he's saying, Father, where's the sacrifice? And the father says, well, God will supply. God will give. All the way to the point of binding him on that sack, on that altar, to the point of getting ready to kill him. And then my God would produce the substitute, the substitutionary atonement. And what happens is there is all the way back in the book of Genesis, you find a story that is a picture of that of the one that's coming, that of Jesus Christ. You could go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. You could find also that there was someone greater than anyone, that would be in Christ, that in the book of Luke, in the book of Luke, Jesus was walking on the road to, um, to, with the two dudes going to, starts with a D. D. No, wrong place. Who? Emmaus, thank you. I was going to go with Emmaus. We'll go with Emmaus. Yeah, the road to Emmaus. And what happened was there is Jesus, you know where he started? He started with, he started with, the, with the books of Moses. Telling what? About, this, about this, this death, burial, resurrection. You go to Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is going to tell you about a crucifixion that's going to take place. And that, that crucifixion, that prophecy, was a thousand years before the crucifixion was ever to take place. You go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 talks about the suffering servant and the fact that there's going to be one that's going to come and it's going to die for your sin and my sin. All right. So, so you go back and Paul's saying, listen you got to go back, and it's the Scriptures that gives the confirmation. Verse 4, and that he was buried, all right? Wait a minute. So he died. Yeah, he died, he was buried, and he, he was raised on the third day according to Scriptures. Notice that, according to Scriptures. And what we need to realize is, guys, is that the importance in this is that the importance is both in both his death and his resurrection. But without the resurrection, there's been a many a man to die. Without the resurrection, he would later on say that our hope is in vain. And you and I, we celebrate both of those very often here at South River Baptist Church. The resurrection is celebrated how? In the baptismal pool. 
Because when someone is baptized, therefore it's a picture of that of his old self being buried and his new self being resurrected. It's a, it's a picture of that of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrate his death. Why do we do that? We do it through the Lord's Supper. We do it through that of the breaking of the bread and that of the drinking of the grape juice to represent that of his broken body and the blood that was shed for you and for me. And what Paul is saying is he's saying, listen, if you don't put your faith in this, you have no faith at all. You must do that. Watch what he does. Verse 4. And that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures again. And that he appeared to Cephas. Why do you think he came to Peter first? I have an opinion. My opinion would be this, and it really doesn't matter. But my opinion is this, is that Peter would have denied him three times. And I think that's why he would have, he, he would have came to Peter first. If you remember when him and Peter had their confrontation there at the last, last chapter of John, man, Peter was a very broken individual. Not only did he, he, he represent himself. Now, hold on a second. Before we go any further, in a court of law, how many witnesses would it take for, I don't know, for me to be thrown in jail for robbing the 7-Eleven? How many witnesses? Somebody tell me. How many witnesses? One. one? All right, so you think one, one would be good? Is one enough? How many? Two, two or three? Yeah, so, so two, okay, so, so if, if we had two or three good witnesses that gave testimony to the fact that Pastor Scott robbed the 7-Eleven down here on the corner of uh, that of 21 and 77, what's the chances of me getting out of that conviction? Now, one, one I might be able to get out because, man, I got a pretty good character and I can pretty much sell it. I'll be like, man, yeah, I think you got me wrong. I, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a student pastor. Man, I, I'd be set. And I really think I could work myself out of that one. All right. I, I think I could. I would try, but I'd be lying. So really, I shouldn't be a student pastor, but we'll keep going anyway. And what happens there is, is that in the court of law, what you're looking for is you're looking for at least two good witnesses. Hey, and how about a video? That's even better. Uh, today, in this day and time, there's video everywhere. And what happens is in that moment, what, what Paul is trying to do is Paul saying, listen, you people that want to doubt the resurrection, how many people has to be witness to it before you would go, I believe it? Thomas, Doubt and Thomas would say, unless I can put my finger in his side, unless I can put my finger in his wounds, I'm not going to believe it. What did Jesus do? Boom, he popped in there. I don't know how that looked, but I would, it would be interesting because it said he didn't open a door, right? And what happens there at that moment is the same thing that happens to you as well, and that is this. Is your faith, is it a faith that's in vain, or is it a faith that you stand firmly on what it is that is true? Think about that. And what happens there is, is he starts with Peter and he says, listen, Peter saw him. Watch what else happens. I'll show you something. Pretty cool language. He says, Peter saw him or Cephas saw him. Then the 12, not really all 12 because Judas was dead. It was just that of the, um, of that of the office of the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at one time. Guys, how many does it take? It starts with who? It starts with Cephas. Then it went to the 12. All right, so now we got 13. Then it goes to 500 of the brothers and sisters of some that are still alive. There, there's still some that's here. Hold on a minute. I, okay, you don't believe me? Go over here and ask him. He was with me. 
Paul, this guy was there. I know he was there. That's what he could say. He's saying, listen, there's still people that's alive that witnessed that, that of the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. Remember, it wasn't a ghost because he also ate and he also drank when he was here on this earth after his resurrection. Okay? He, listen, he did have wounds from that of his crucifixion because they would have said you could tell him by his wounds. When you and I get to heaven, there'll be a wound that is there. You'll know him by his wounds. And what happens here, guys, is it's witness after witness after witness after witness because, listen, Paul knew, look, if you don't believe in the resurrection, you, you've got nothing. We have to have, because Why? Well, because there's been a many a man that's claimed to be Jesus, but there's only one that is resurrected from the dead. Only one. Watch what he does. He says this, verse 8. No, then he appeared to James. I think the reason why he came to James, that would be his half-brother. All right, James would, would have been the reason because James didn't believe in him, no, nor did his brothers. Guys, I could not imagine growing up with Jesus, but I bet it was cool. But I could not imagine. But see, the, even his half-brothers, they thought he was a bit loony as well. And what they would have done, they'd have been like, that's crazy. That's crazy. And remember, could you imagine? You, you got your brother out there in the street. He's stirring up the chief priests. He's talking to them like they're, like he's talking to the chief priests like they're a bunch of nut jobs. And really, the chief priests were the leaders of that of the community. And that, well, they're like, come on, Jesus, get off the street. We got to get, okay? And James would have been not a believer. James wouldn't have believed until after the appearance of that of Jesus after the resurrection. That's why in Acts chapter 15, I do believe that chapter's right. Acts ch chapter 15 would have been the very moment that James would have been over the church, the, the Jewish church, and he would have been the one that would have said these words, I will tell you he was the Christ. Why? Because of his appearance. Because of his, his, that of his witness. He says, then to all of the apostles, last of all, you got to underline that, verse 8, last of all. I heard one commentator say that when he says last of all, that he is the last of all apostles. The last of the apostles. There is no more apostles. Listen to me, y'all. A man wants to call him, and a woman, but that's strange as well. But if a man or a person, let's go a person. If a person wants to call themselves an apostle today, it is impossible. Because there's one thing that there's no way can be done. And that is a must-see Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. Now, there's a lot of people that say, says they have, like a Todd Bentley. He says he would have saw Jesus in his tub with a pair of skinny jeans on and with no shirt on. I know, you're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, Joseph Smith would have said he would have saw that of the Christ and that of an angel. I would have think it would have been two demons. And guys, what happens is, is what we do is we don't look at the Scriptures. He says, last of all, as though that was one born out of the wrong time, Paul, Paul being one that's unworthy, Paul, Paul being an apostle because of what took place there in the book of Galatians, he would have spent time with that of Jesus. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Remember, he was so unworthy to be that of an apostle. He was the very one that in Acts chapter 9, he was on the road to Damascus. Got that one right? And on the road to Damascus, and while he was on that road, he would have had a confrontation with the one, Jesus. Well, what was, what was Paul going to do? Man, he's going to kill people like you and me. He was going to hunt the Christians. He was going to take them back. He was going to kill them because of their belief. He was destroying the church. And he was saying, man, woe is me. One born out of, one born out of, one born at the wrong time. I, 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 am, I am the least. 
to the point that there was one that would say that it was as if he was um, a miscarriage, one, one that is just nothing. Guys, he spoke, but yet he was saying this, but. Watch what he does. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and by his grace to me has not been in vain. In fact, I worked harder than all of them. All of them who? Those witnesses. That's pretty cool. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it is what I, I or they, this is why we preach. Now, guys, look at me. This is the way we preach, and this is the way you believed. How did he preach? He preached what it was that the Lord, what the Lord told him to preach. I brought to you what was brought to me by that of God. And you believed in it. So is your faith true or is your faith in vain? That's where you've got to come. That's, that's you. That's not me to decide. That's not Joshua to decide. Not your parents to decide. But I will tell you this. I will say this. Jesus says these words. You will know them by their fruit. What's your fruit look like? What kind of fruit are you producing? That's how you'll know. Father, we love you. We thank you for our day. Be with us as we go to small groups. Lord, keep us safe. All these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.